This is the NBL Show. Play NBL Fantasy for free. You could win $5,000 plus daily prizes at nbl.com.au slash fantasy. Uh, very good evening to you and welcome to the NBL show as we are absolutely in the business end of the year and we could not have asked for two more gripping, enthralling, action-packed, highlight reel-having semi-final series than we've got right now. Perth Wildcats and the Illawarra Hawks locked at a game apiece. Melbourne United, South East Melbourne Phoenix locked at a game apiece. Wildcats and Hawks will be decided tonight in half an hour's time. Well, the game will start mm. in half an hour's time because it's been played in Perth. And then on Tuesday... Tuesday night, Melbourne United, South East Melbourne Phoenix uh, will play their game three decider. Both all four teams still in the hunt uh, to get into that grand final series. Pete Hooley, NBL champion in 2018, knows this time of the year very well. Hello, my friend. Good to be here. And yeah, it's huge, isn't it? Two game threes. That's what everybody wants, the deciders. And they could both go either way, to be really honest. And we thought there was early in the season, I mean, when the, the matchups got figured out for the finals. I think a lot of people thought Melbourne United might sweep the way through and uh, if Bryce Cotton was there I think we all would have thought the Wildcats would sweep and that series is wild that both teams are one away from home and now the neutral venue of this Kudos Bank Arena sets up nicely for a Game 3 throwdown. Certainly does. So 72-74 Game 1 for the Wildcats and the Hawks in Perth. Uh, there was never much separating these two teams uh, at any stage of the game. In the end, it just seemed that the Hawks were able to spread their offense a little bit better. The Wildcats obviously with no Bryce Cotton. John Mooney was well held. Had 13 points and 15 rebounds but he'd been averaging much closer to 20 for the year. Todd Blanchfield stepped up in a big way. 24 points to him but they didn't get much more from anyone else except for Luke Travers who probably played his best game a double-double for him. Um, no, sorry, uh, 12.6 rebounds for him. Um, it was uh, a pretty well-constructed team performance from the Hawks. It was, and to go into enemy territory, especially in the jungle uh, over in WA and get that win is huge. Uh, mm. That would have really set them up and I know they were how excited Brian Gorgian was for potentially closing it out at home in front of a packed stadium for Game 2, but they just got it done. Tyler Harvey was 4 of 21. We haven't seen that from Tyler Harvey all year. Mitch Norn did a phenomenal job. But he just, did. Ginny, Justinian Jessup rose up in that last quarter. 17 points for him. They got 10 points... Um, they got 10 points from Froling and Conrad. Uh, Harvey had 10 points as well. Justin Simon, who was mm. really recruited to be a defensive stopper, he had 16 points, nine rebounds and three assists. He was instrumental in that win as well. Brian Gorgian, uh, we know the story. He's taken Illawarra, who finished last um, last season, now into the top four. They finished third, and they're a win away from getting into the uh, NBL Grand Final. They were last there in 2014 or 2015? 2017. 2017, yeah. sorry. So they played... Who was that? Was it the... No, now I've got a mental blank. Uh, it might have been Perth the Wildcats. Perth have beaten them twice. Yeah, I think it was the Wildcats. Yeah, I think it was We're the We're going to go all the way back to 2001, don't mm. we? When uh, our uh, good friend Brendan Joyce mm. uh, coached them to a championship that year. So there's some history there. Uh, and for the Wildcats, I mean, this... The most impressive record in Australian sporting franchise oh. history. Uh, with... And I've trying to find where I screenshotted the numbers uh, today, but we'll get those stats about just how regularly they've been able to be in grand finals and, and 35 finals. 35 straight seasons. 35 straight seasons, but in the NBL finals themselves, into the, the grand final mm. series, um, there is some startling numbers uh, about just how good they have been uh, at this time of the year. If they win, the Wildcats will be... In
eight under coach Trevor Gleeson. Uh, and a win for the Hawks to get him in for the first time since 2017. They were runners-up then to the Wildcats, runners-up in 2010 to the Wildcats, runners-up in 05 to the Kings and champions in 2001. Those were the numbers I was looking for. So game one, two-point thriller to mm. Illawarra. Different story in the return match uh, when they played Illawarra at home. And the fascinating part about this is that for these, I mean, both teams losing at home and now Perth, who don't, often lose two in a row mm. in the jungle, get the chance to put this one away. They had an eight-point win uh, in the game, in game two, and this time they were able to spread that offense just a little bit better. That game was the gutsiest win I've seen from a Wildcats in a long time. And I think Trevor was, uh, Trevor was pretty passionate after mm. the game in his press conference, just saying how, like, unbelievably proud he was of the guys. Mitch Norton got banged up and fell onto his hip in the second quarter, tried to play through it as tough as he is and could not walk in the third quarter once he was ruled out. And you just, if you love pure basketball and the way it's supposed to be played, if you'd watch that, especially third quarter, their offense is what they've done all year, all mm. forever, was so beautifully ran. They out-executed the Hawks and it ended up being, it really, it was an eight-point game but it looked like it was much worse than that. So John Mooney has another double double. Mm-hmm. It's just of course lock it in every week. Yep. So eighteen and ten. But as I mentioned, Luke Travers before didn't have a double double in game one. Did in game two. So this guy's been such a story. I mean, he has exploded. Everyone thought that Will Magne would be the one that would come in and make the mm. biggest difference. But Luke Travers, who resisted the urge to go to college, had offers to play college ball this year, decides to sign a two year deal. I think it was with Perth. He is aiming for NBA. And early on in the year, he got minutes. His form dropped away significantly through the NBL Cup. He was used less and less. He's, they've gone back to him now, and he is delivering for Trevor Gleeson. Well, I, I think he'd even be able to go to college next this year if he wanted to. He's a development player. He's not on the roster, but you said he signed that contract. So he's mm. uh, been a, insane just to watch his growth over the season. Like We talk about young guys growing from season to season. I know it's a long season, but he was the starting foreman in the start of the year way back in January for mm. the Wildcats. And any time he screwed up, Trev would yank him off and he wouldn't play again after four minutes. And everyone, for any young kid, everyone would think, oh, his confidence is shot. Like, he's never going to get any better. Then he went from not, then like periods of maybe a month and a half where he didn't play at all. He did not step on the floor. And now he's an integral part of what they do. I know there's no Bryce Cotton, but he still, even when they were full strength, was having this confidence about him to... Full credit to Trev for the the way he's handled that, and he's blooming before our very eyes. So Tyler Harvey had 24 points, a much better game too from him, but it wasn't enough, and he probably didn't have enough support. Jessup had 11 to be the only other double-figure scorer. The I think the fascinating thing about this is not just no Bryce Cotton, but when you look at it from last year, so no Bryce Cotton, no Mason Plumley, no Tariko White, and no Nick Kay. So you're taking basically their four of their five mm. starters out of last year's grand final winning side. Yep. And they're a game away from getting into another grand final series. And when you look at it that way in the game too, that's how impressive that win was. Because then Mitch Norton, who I think is their most important player without Bryce Cotton, Mm. for what he does obviously defensively, but sets up the offense. He's the leader. He's their captain. When he was out, that top Blanchard had a career year, John Mooney. Will Magne was good in game two. He came in, hit a couple threes, shot the ball confidently. uh, And that was off the back of getting benched in game Mm. one. And Trev didn't go back to him. So that's another positive sign. And as you said, the 
the roster they have, Jared Bairstow's just come in. They, they literally picked Jared Bairstow up from the crowd midway through the year. Like, that's where he literally came from. Yep. And he's been outstanding. He has. So, um, for two-way Magne, he had seven points, but he had the, the six rebounds, three offensive, though, which were important in the context of that game. And um, as we mentioned, they got a little bit more help scoring-wise from their bench. So, Travis had 13. Blanchfield coming off a 24-point game, still had 11 in this game. His radar was a little bit off from beyond the arc, two or seven for him. Uh, but Steindl's 12 points were important. Even the six from White uh, and seven from the, the skipper, Jesse Wagstaff, just crucial in, and then what they were able to do defensively. So to keep a team to 71 points in a final, um, it, it was an arm wrestle. It was a scrap, but nobody scraps better than the Perth Wildcats. No, they don't. And Kevin White needs a big uh, pat on the back because he was excellent without Mitch Norton. He was tried to make life tough for Tyler Harvey, and Tyler Harvey still got going a little bit, but took a lot of shots to get his 24 uh, so that he was enormous. And that's the kind of confidence they're going to need going into this game tonight. So it is going to be huge. Mitch Norton has been cleared to play past the fitness test, which I thought he wasn't going to be able to play. And that's, I immediately put the Hawks through. Now it gets interesting. So the Hawks have only won twice in 24 attempts at RAC Arena and twice in their last 36 games overall out West. But uh, they've also had their seasons ended either in grand finals or semifinals in 10, 13, 14, 16, 17, as we just said. So the numbers are not in their favour. No. But this has been a year where that hasn't really mattered as well. So what are you expecting tonight in front of a packed Whoa. jungle crowd, the Red Army in full effect and in full voice and noise, and a, and a, and a Perth team that are just limping? <laughs> yeah, limping's right, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, because Lou Travers rolled his ankle as well at the end of game two, so he yep. might be a little ginger about that, no pun intended, for someone who called me out on that on Twitter. Uh, I... It's going to be tough. It's going to be you throw everything out the window, all the records, everything, but playing in front of the home, the fact that Mitch Norton is going to try and play, I mean, we know how strong he is, should help the Wildcats get over the line. If he can't go, like if he gets banged up or something early, that may change. He's so important to them. So this did is, I just sit on the fence, Sammy? Yeah, he did. Yeah. This is the stats that matter, though. So... 24 of the last 25 playoff series have been won by the team that prevailed in Game 1. Mm. So the Hawks won Game 1. Trevor Gleeson has never lost Game 1 and gone on to win a series in his coaching Ooh. career. And the last time the Wildcats won a series after losing Game 1 was the 2000 quarterfinals against the West Sydney Razorbacks. Mm. So wow. these are so whilst the odds are against Illawarra, mm. the odds are for... Illawarra, if that makes sense. Well, it does. That's going to be huge just to see how that plays out. Uh, the storyline either way is going to be incredible. So who wins? Wildcats. I'm going to go with Illawarra in the upset. Okay. I just think that, that when it push comes to shove, they just go a bit deeper. So we've done them now. Perth, mm. Illawarra, done. 9.30, the tip-off uh, our time here. Well, let's turn our attention to the Throwdown semi-final series on the other side of this. This is uh, the NBL show, and if you're wondering how you can watch uh, the Hungry Jacks NBL finals on SBS Viceland, ESPN, SBS On Demand and Twitch, all games before 7.30 are on Viceland, all games after are on ESPN, all games are on SBS On Demand and Twitch. We are off and rolling on the, well, we'll call them the semi-final series of the NBL show. Sam Hargraves, Pete Hooley with you, back straight after this. You're listening to the NBL Show. Play NBL Fantasy for free. You could win $5,000 plus daily prizes at nbl.com.au slash fantasy. 
Sam Hargraves, Pete Hooley with you. Semi-final series edition of the NBL show. Of course, tonight, Perth Wildcats at home over the Illawarra Hawks. One game all. This is the decider to get in to the NBL final series this year, the grand final series. The other semi-final series, Pete, which we haven't spoken about mm. yet, which we're dedicating this whole segment to, Melbourne United, South East Melbourne. Oof. So 1v4. So Mel- South East Melbourne lose to the Brisbane Bullets in their last game of the year to set up a throwdown semi-final series. Mm. And all the talk was this was the matchup they wanted. Mm. They not only wanted to play Melbourne United first, but to knock them out after they finished top of the table. It didn't go anywhere near according <laughs> to plan uh, in game one. At one stage with about a quarter to play, they were trailing by 33 points. You and I did this game. Melbourne put the cue in the rack. They go Bruce free for the last quarter, get out unscathed. In the end, an 18-point win to Melbourne. And southeast Melbourne with their tail between their legs and rightfully uh, pretty embarrassed after their first ever finals game in their second season, and it couldn't have gone worse. No, it was it was bad. And he said 18 points. It could have been it could have been nearly 50 at one stage. The way that Melbourne United were rolling, Ooh, yeah. and Phoenix were just they just looked dejected. And there was some lackluster signs on both sides of the floor for them. And everyone was thinking this is going to be over. But that that's the beauty of finals basketball is even if they did lose by 50, it wouldn't matter. It's just one game. It, it doesn't percentage doesn't come into it. Nothing comes into it. So it's just a loss. That's all they look at. It doesn't matter how they lost. Like, well, we lost. And if we come back and win game two, then that's all that matters, and we go to a third game. So they did, a, they responded well, but how bad they looked, and that was that's been the problem all year with the Phoenix, hasn't it? The inconsistencies when they're really good, oh my, as good we, as anyone, hundred percent. When like, they're bad, when, they're as bad as, bad as, as anyone. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is, we saw they lost the Cairns, yep. they they limped into the finals yep. with that inconsistencies, um, and we could see it that when they are really good and they're shooting the ball well, when Mitch Creek and Kiefer Sykes are leading the team, they're really good. Mitch Creek got two fouls in the first four minutes, sat down, and they really never looked back from there. Sat they, down for a long time yeah, too. And that and the was, game just slipped away, and it was gone. And and that's, was. and that's exactly kind of a similar story to what happened with Melbourne United once Jock Landau got in some foul trouble uh, in game two. Then he sat and that game slipped away. So Jock Landau, after being what he perceived as being snubbed for an MVP mm. nomination, he wasn't one of the three MVP nominations in uh, Tyler Harvey, Bryce Cotton and Nathan Sobey. He tw- uh, tweeted or Instagram that he believes he's just as good as any of those guys. No, he actually said better mm. than those guys, which is a massive statement. If you're going to make statements like that to say that you're a better player than the three people nominated for the MVP. You better come out and play well. And didn't he? 26 points. Uh, I think um, when you look at uh, go through the box score, it, it was an interesting game because he's been one of the league leaders, top five for rebounds throughout the course of the year. That wasn't where he did his damage. He did it all offensively apart from one block. Um, but he was four from five from the land beyond. He went 10 of 14 shooting for 26 points. Um and had an assist as well. He was unstoppable. He was, and just went at Yanni Wetzel and just said, young fella, I'm going to teach you a couple of things here yep. about how the NBL is played in finals, and it was unstoppable. And we spoke about why he is snubbed for the finalists. You talk about votes is because every team doubled him this year, mm. and except for the last two games, not including round two, uh, game two, when they played Perth, over in Perth before the end of regular season, John Mooney tried to go at him one-on-one. Didn't work. Landau dominated that game. Yep. They let Yanni Wetzel try and do it on the other night. Game one, didn't work. You've got to double him. They changed that in game two. So we'll get to game two in just a moment, but just a couple of other numbers from uh, game one. So... For Melbourne, it was really Jock Landau and then Scott Hobson, who, to his credit, is an all-NBL player. Has, has, it's, it took a little while, but Dean Vickerman being... The, and you'll be able to attest to this. Mm. A really good 
players coach, a good communicator, um, was able to get through to him about how vital his six-man role was, mm. and he's got a nomination for the six-man of the year, as along with Joe Lawala-Chul. He has 22 points, 9 of 11 shooting, 3 out of 4 for 3. Uh, he was extraordinary and had three assists as well. You'd argue that he was just as good and just as uh, impactful as Jock Landau. For sure. He, I mean, this is a guy who was in the top three of MVP last year for the Breakers. Like, yes. We know what he can do. Uh, and the, the whole question was going to be, how's he fit in a team that's this talented? And mm. when he struggled early, Dean obviously had that chat. And that's the culture that Melbourne United's built, that Dean's had a big part of, is the sacrificing for the benefit of the team. Uh, I remember the year after we won the championship was M- Mitch McCarron joined the squad and we figured we had who was going to come off the bench, Mitch McCarron or Chris Golding. Now, this is our captain, Chris Golding, said, look, I'll do it for the benefit of the team. We made another grand final series, ultimately fell short. But that's the culture that's been built. Mm. And then when Scotty Hobson was trying to figure out, well, if I'm coming off the bench, I'll play starters minutes. And he wasn't wasn't working because I don't think he was realised that, hang on, nobody, nobody is yeah. on this team play starters minutes. Everyone gets sprinkled. It's either you play between 25 and 30 or, or you play between 20 and 25. There's no one who's really playing 35 to 38 minutes. Well, we looked at the minutes. Nobody played over 25 minutes in and, that game. And that's how it's normally been for a lot, unless there's some yeah. real bad foul trouble. Uh, even so, we, Mitch, so Mitch McCarron had 25 mm. and, and Chris Golding had just under 26, but still 25 for him. Um we move on to the Phoenix. So they didn't get much. Mitch Creek only played the, the 25 minutes himself, but normally he plays a lot more than that. He sat for a long time after getting into foul trouble. He had 15 points. Um, Kiefer Sykes, who we, we gave the stat that when South East Melbourne win, he averages 18. When they mm. lose, he averages 10. He had 12. So they didn't get enough out of those two guys. It was a completely different story in game oh, yeah. two, which they win by 11 points, 90 to 79. What a turnaround this was. This was South East Melbourne, who are the number one scoring team in the competition. This was them at their best. So Mitch Creek, 26 points. Kiefer Sykes, 26 points to go with four assists as well. And then the supporting cast comes in. So Yanni Wetzel, after being humiliated yep. by Jock Lander, he has a 20.8 rebound night. And it just, you could see that there was a different intent mm. about the way that South East Melbourne went about it. Well, as we've said, it's the Kiefer Sykes and Mitch Creek have to lead the team. And they did that. And they did it the whole game. They, you've got the minutes there. Mitch Creek barely came off. Mitch Creek has to play like that because that's their mismatch. That no one 37 can, minutes. No one can guard him on Melbourne United. And geez, didn't it get a little chippy at the end too, didn't which we were expecting it yep. to. Yep. And it came close to blowing up a few times. Well, that's and it happened in game one as well. Joe Luala Chul and Ruben Tarangi got into it in game one. And yep. now it was Mitch Creek, uh, Jock Landau had a few words to say back and forth. Mason Peeling uh, got chirped at by Mitch Creek. And that's what you want in a throwdown series, as long as it doesn't boil over to anything mm. silly, which it didn't. Uh, but that's exactly what they do. Mitch Creek stepped up when he had to. He was huge. A lot of fouls in this game, though. This game was a tough watch, just a lot of whistles. Yep. Uh, and But credit to the Phoenix for the way Yanni Wetzel just tried to go through Jock Landale and got him in some foul trouble. And we've seen two games go completely different ways and it comes down to how the key guys get in foul trouble. Mitch Creek in the first game got in some silly fouls. Jock Landau uh, was unlucky for a couple of those fouls for sure, but he got a couple early, which then made took him out of the game and he had to try and play different to save himself and it didn't work in the end. Amazing too that South East Melbourne get the win shooting 16% for three. Mm. So that's the scary thing. Top, if you're they're, Mel- they yeah. are, they're a top three three point percentage team. Melbourne, though, thankfully, only went at thirty three percent. Chris Golding went two from eight, so that helped in a big way. So they were struggling all night from outside. Luckily, 
Melbourne were as well, and and below what they normally go at, which is around thirty nine percent. So, where did you see that they were the better side? And and the other, I suppose, the other thing that they turned around um, was turnovers. Mm. So they only had nine turnovers in game two, Pete, and in game one uh, they had. 13. Yeah. Uh, sorry, 18. Yeah. So they halved their turnovers. And you got to, yeah, looking after the ball was huge, but they just handled, I think, the whistle better because I spoke about there was a lot of fouls and mm. a lot of fouls that didn't need to be there in finals. Mm. But because that was being called the whole way for both teams, both teams had to go through it the exact same. I think Phoenix handled that better and adapted and said, okay, we just got to do this and this, not worry about that. And Melbourne United losing Jock Landau hurt them because then Luala Chul had four fouls and they can't play as physical, so they didn't adapt as quick as Phoenix did down the stretch. And then Kiefer Sykes and Mitch Creek led the charge in the last quarter and they held Melbourne United to nine points in the last 10 minutes, which no team has done this year, and that's why they got that win. So Jock Landau goes from 26 points to five. You mm. mentioned he got in the foul trouble. What's your prediction for game three tomorrow night? That oh. game will be on SEN as part of United Live. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You and I will be back again. Looking so forward. we can't wait for it. Um, what you th- What are you expecting? I think the, the, the veteran lead, leadership, the championship experience from, on Melbourne United will get the job done. They're going to have to come out and know how they're going to go about it. And they've got to shut down Kiefer Sykes, shut down Mitch Creek. The scary thing, if you're a Melbourne United fan, as you said, that stat, the, the Phoenix won that game shooting so poorly from three. If you're a Melbourne United fan, that scares you because they're due for a good shooting night. Yes. They haven't had one yet. They haven't had one yet. And, and they won all. And when they do, that was the last throwdown in the regular season where they shot the lights out. Cam Glidden hasn't found his feet since having his second child. Ryan, Ryan Brokoff hasn't. Just had the four points, Ryan Brokoff. Yeah, Didn't that's... do much in game one either. This has got to be the game, doesn't it? Well, it has to be, and that's what I mean. But do they have to start running more for him? 100%. But they don't run enough plays for him. They, they don't, but I... I that's for his own personal thing. I think right now, if they want to win, it's, it starts with Mitch Creek. You've got to get the ball to Mitch Creek mm-hmm. early and often and then get Ryan Brokoff to spot up, and they can't help off him. Even if he hasn't touched the ball, you can't help off him. Yeah, he was 0-4 mm. from outside. Um, so he had an off night as well. You wouldn't expect him to go two in a row. As you mentioned, Cam Glidden was 0-2 in the eight minutes that he played. Yep. So that's two games in a row where those two guys haven't been able to connect. Mm. I can't see it happening again. So, Are you on, are you on the Phoenix? Ooh. Go on. I'm just trying to figure out if Hutchie's listening now. <laughs> <laughs> you like the hat. It's a good hat. Uh, yeah. I, look. To make it interesting, because I've gone United, you can go, you can go Phoenix. I, I think they can. Yeah. I think they oh, can. Oh, no doubt they can. Cause an upset. Yeah, no doubt. Because they still haven't played at their best. Yep. We've seen Melbourne United's best, which they don't often go two nights in a row mm. without being at their best. So, look, the smart, the smart choice is Melbourne United, but I've just sensed... A possible upset. Well, if we get both teams to their best, it's going to be a very exciting game, and that's all we want to see. Can't wait for it. Uh, we'll be covering it uh, tomorrow night, but you can also watch it. Uh, the Hungry Jacks NBL Final Series, the semi-final series on SBS Viceland, ESPN, SBS On Demand and Twitch. All games before 7.30 will be on SBS Viceland. All games after 7.30 on ESPN. All games will be streamed on SBS On Demand and Twitch. It's been a Fascinating semi-final series so far. Game three of the Wildcats and the Hawks is starting at 9.30, so we can't wait for that. We'll keep you updated throughout the course of the night. Pete, I'll see you tomorrow night.